0: Well, I think any partnership is really challenging in business, whether it's a relative, a friend, a colleague. I think people who do go into partnership, it's a big step and actually should never be underestimated. There's a huge benefit because you're never alone. However, the disadvantages are that if you're not completely aligned around your values, your belief systems, Mm -hmm. that is when major challenges will come up and the one advantage of being family is that you have the same beliefs and values because you grew up together Mm -hmm. so the kind of level of integrity that was so important for us about how to behave how to treat people Mm. you know these really simple life lessons that actually become hugely important when you're running a business to go you know as simple as how do you say hello to people, how do you greet someone at the beginning of a meeting, how do you behave around negotiation, how do you behave about employing somebody, or a pay rise, or a conflict. Mm -hmm. All of these things can be really challenging if you don't share a very clear set of values. This is a TRIVE TO SUCCEED podcast
1: where we feature inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, Influencers and seasoned professionals to help you jumpstart your career and your entrepreneurial journey. Today's episode, I had the opportunity to interview Lucy Dabo on the show, the co founder of Dabo Co., which she built alongside her sister, Camilla, to be one of the most respected integrated communications agencies in the region. After selling their business to Edelman in 2015, Lucy and I traveled back through time in 2004 with all begin lucy shared her business and life lessons from how to successfully launch and start your own business to finding nurturing and working with the right talent naming dabble and co as one of the most greatest places to work for during their time most importantly get to know lucy as a mother and what she's been up to after selling their business so if you enjoyed this episode please take a screenshot and share this with your friends family peers and network email blast this to anyone you know because this episode is very warm to the heart. I know it's a festive season today so whichever part of the world you're tuning in, I really appreciate you and I want to greet you. Advance Merry Christmas. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Lucy Davo. So welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have Lucy Dabo on the show. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So I, I believe uh, the fir- this is actually a first time meeting, isn't it? Yes, it is. Al- Although we've been interacting through LinkedIn for quite a while. Now, so
0: Yeah, it's lovely to meet you in person. Always good to put a face to a name.
1: You too. Thank you so much. So for our, I know that uh, you've been running Dabo and Co for the past... 14, 15 years ago, and you sold it in 2015, so I assume half of the buy already know who you are. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) But the other half, for our our first time listeners who still doesn't know you, who is Lucy Dabo?
0: Well, um, now I kind of call this my second chapter of my career. I'm um, a business mentor, communications consultant. Um, and executive coach but i started out my career and set up a business with my sister which is in itself considered fairly unusual um, back in 2004 Mm -hmm. doing pr events and digital Mm -hmm. Um, we ran the business for 15 years and then we were acquired by edelman who were the largest american firm the largest in our industry um, back in 2015 so from the very beginning, setting up the business with my sister and I in yeah. my spare room, all the way through to exiting 15 years later.
1: Uh, so I'm just really curious about you started one of the you can say largest uh, PR agencies in, in the region. Um, what is your background, and how do you you know uh, transition from your previous background and starting this company? Debunko and of course exited from from that you know company as well.
0: So and way back, back. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. So I'll try and put it into um, bite sized pieces to answer all of those um, aspects. Um, Basically, we I grew up in Dubai, mm-hmm. so my family moved here from Sudan mm-hmm. in 1982, so I'm probably giving my age away a bit too, please don't do the math, but <laughs> um, this was sort of, yeah, big family move, mm-hmm. so expat brat, as people like to term, people who grew up here, um, I would like to say less of the brat, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, we were educated, my sister and I, back in the UK, Mm -hmm. and we both came back to Dubai. It's one of those places that however much you try and leave, the temptation to come back was so great. So I moved back here in 2000, Mm -hmm. finishing university in um, my first couple of jobs in London. Mm -hmm. And my sister had already relocated here, my sister Camilla. She was working in advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working in events, Mm -hmm. both of us in agencies. Um, both of us technically doing PR but with different hats on and this is going way back when yeah. you know the industries were still defining themselves very much in the UAE and naturally sisters we're super close um, yeah. we're four years apart but we are best 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 friends so every day after work we'd like go and meet and have drinks talk about work as you do and both of us were always coming back to the same point that we were so frustrated with the businesses we worked in because either they were missing opportunities, mm-hmm. that they weren't putting clients first, that they were getting unqualified people to do the work. And it was a time where, you know, Media City was only just opening. And there was a lot of kind of businesses opening and closing. and and we just felt so strongly that we could just be doing much better work for our clients in our respective um agencies and then one night probably a few drinks too many we were like what hang on a minute why the hell aren't we doing this ourselves like what is stopping us from coming together integrating all our skills and knowledge camilla had um the pr background the advertising background i had advertising and events Events, background so together we could cover Everything and offer a fully integrated one-stop shop mm-hmm. for our clients, and we get to work together. Yeah. And imagine, you know, we were so dreamy-eyed about it. Imagine yeah. working in the best possible place with your best friend, your yeah. sister, <laughs> doing the work that you love. Um, and that's kind of how the idea came about. We never imagined for a second that we would end up, you know, with over a hundred employees and being acquired by the largest agency in our field globally Um, yeah 15 years later so it was quite a journey
1: and uh, when you because I'm really interested um, because I'm also a a startup a solopreneur myself when you were starting out um, when where do you open shop do you recommend like getting set in an office or because nowadays there's a lot of co-working spaces I mean where do you work back then because you know some of the people Um, doesn't know most of the founders started from maybe in the basement or in their room yeah
0: so we had um yeah exactly a very similar story of course everything's changed as you rightly said for we were in a very small niche of people setting up businesses particularly in our industry then and we made the call not to go to media city because we felt that being onshore and having an economic department license gave us real gravitas and we were so Focused on being perceived as very serious and very robust and very, you know,
1: yeah.
0: proper. We have very, you know, strong values around doing things the right way. So um, the first step, obviously, we did a business plan just to go back a step as every great um, entrepreneur should but we did you know we spent time crafting a document that made a lot of sense because for us if we were going to take the leap Mm -hmm. and take the risk we needed to be really clear that we understood what we were going to do and how it was going to look and interestingly enough before we even had our license come through Mm -hmm. we had already been put forward to pitch for our first piece of work Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the steps we took was I left my job first because we wanted to keep an income coming into the business yeah. but also have the time to build the infrastructure because in those days you needed your business license. You needed to have bricks and mortar. There was yeah. no option to be kind of mobile and you know there was no such thing as that um, 15 years ago. Um, and do all of the infrastructural stuff that was really quite lengthy and administrative. So we agreed that Camilla would do three months, we'd use her income into the business, and I would use those three months to build our infrastructure. So back then, trying to get an office was one of the hardest things in the world. And in those days, there wasn't enough office space so a lot of residential buildings were used as offices so apartment buildings were converted to commercial use Mm -hmm. so
1: and there was no regulation back then
0: yet well a little bit of regulation but there just wasn't space so um, you know landlords were saying I've got a whole building full of apartments that could be full of offices but there was so little availability because they weren't able to build fast enough so if you wanted to find an office, you had to open up the Gulf News, yeah. good old-fashioned newspaper, and yep. they had a segment which was classified, and you'd have to go through all these tiny little writing to <laughs> find what was available. And we were looking, obviously, for a very small space, for a one-bedroom apartment, commercial use, da, da, da. And literally, if you were not on the doorstep mm-hmm. at 8 a.m. in the morning meeting, you know, the- um, The, the agent, gone. So I remember when we finally found our office, I was the first person in the door. There were 10 people behind me, and I had to hold the door closed (laughs) while I called my sister to go, I think I found our place. (laughs) But we have to say yes now. If I don't, we lose it. So, thankfully, she agreed. We said, Yeah, she'd never even seen the office. Yeah. And we signed our first rental agreement with huge, huh? sweaty palms, going, This is a huge huh? amount of money. Yeah. Will we ever make it back? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's changed quite a bit since then. That is it.
1: And what is the feeling like when you got your first ever client? Because I know you, you you told me you were signed first and then Camila went yeah. second. Um, so, what, what is your, you know, how do you deliver that? Um, project or client as well because I know when you're starting up there are times where as business owners especially when you're starting you you, you tend to like over deliver or over promise what what does it feel like and how does the client perceive you back then because I'm just really curious first most of our listeners probably would like to start their own business Mm. or probably you know
0: so the great thing was in our line of work we were staying within our industry Mm. so I already had built up a really strong network of clients, mm. as had Camilla, mm. because we weren't sort of creating a new product or launching a whole new concept. We were basically opening a consultancy in the field that we already knew. Understood. So we already had a reputation in the market as individuals. And so there was a level of credibility that came with a of that,
1: trust, then.
0: which is really important. So depending on the type of business you're setting up, um, credibility was our focus. You know, From day one, our most important you know focus was we have to be the most credible yeah. that we can be because we're dealing with brands we're dealing with reputations yes yes it's really important that we are you know standing behind that so the first piece of business was actually an old client of mine who rang me and said, hey, Lucy, we need to, you to come in. We want you to pitch for a piece of business, mm. which happened to be a polo tournament. Mm. So it was basically to organize the tournament, to sell all the sponsorship, to do all the media relations and the PR. So it was quite a big, juicy project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> for your sense. first thing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm really sorry, I've just resigned. You know, So I'm not going to be here to be able to, You know, I'm leaving in a couple of weeks, but I can pass you on to my counterpart. And the client was like, no, no, I was calling you. I'm not interested you know if it's a new business you pitch I don't care how you do it but we're really keen that you come and pitch for it so I was like okay then so that was just the greatest gift because we had someone who already had faith I had already delivered for and worked for before Camilla was still in her job, so we had to create this code word so that I would be working on the proposal, emailing it to her at work, but she obviously couldn't get caught. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, we came up with this code name, The Mint with a Hole, which obviously was Polo. (laughs) So then we were back and forth permanently with our code name, The Mint With The Hole, as we built the proposal out and then went to pitch it. And lo and behold, they um, gave us the business. We won. We had the best concept, the best delivery idea. So I can't tell you how exciting that was. We were just so proud and then totally terrified.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you know you need to deliver.
0: deliver. (laughs) But, um you know, we knew we were capable to, of doing that, and fortunately, because it was such a big project, we had a kind of six month window to be prepared and to execute so actually, c- between us, mm-hmm. we were able to um Yeah, get everything prepared. I I was able to immediately start sourcing sponsors. And then we ended up having that client for about five or six years. Wow! So it was a really brilliant project for us. Interesting, thank you so much for sharing that. Now I I just feel the energy (laughs) of getting your first client. It's a big one. I mean, I think there is nothing in this world that can prepare you and you'll know you're an entrepreneur is when you take the risk to do something on your own and it starts to pay off it's just so exciting
1: you feel like you doubt yourself can i do this can i do this that you know and then you just have make it happen
0: although i have to say i don't know that the doubting ever goes Mm -hmm. you know camilla and i always reflect on that you know the inner critic yeah. permanently coming up going are you doing good enough could you do more yeah you know
1: um one of my questions would be uh interesting because you always brought up Camila, which is your best friend <laughs> 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 i'm just really curious um i know this really difficult uh, when running with your family member so how do you manage uh working with her especially when a tough decision you know needs to be made and you know how does the synergy work on them
0: Well, I think any partnership is really challenging in business, whether it's a relative, a friend, a colleague. I think people who do go into partnership, it's a big step and actually should never be underestimated. There's a huge benefit because you're never alone. However, the disadvantages are that if you're not completely aligned around your values, your belief systems, Mm -hmm. that is when major challenges will come up and the one advantage of being family is that you have the same beliefs and values because you grew up together Mm -hmm. so the kind of level of integrity that was so important for us about how to behave how to treat people Mm. you know these really simple life lessons that actually become hugely important when you're running a business to go you know as simple as how do you Say hello to people. How do you greet someone at the beginning of a meeting? How do you behave around negotiation? How do you behave about employing somebody or a pay rise or a conflict? Mm -hmm. All of these things can be really challenging if you don't share a very clear set of values. Um, For us, it was challenging whether we'd been sisters or not. Those first, I would say it took us two years probably until we had really nailed it. There And the biggest piece of advice I would give, and it seems so obvious, but the amount of partners I've met who haven't actually carved it out, is being really clear about roles. Mm. You have to be really, really, really decisive about that and carve out, you know, partner one, you do this, and only this, and partner two, you do this, and that's what you're responsible for. And yes, when decisions on either side need to be made, we'll come together, but ultimately the moment you have overlaps or a bit of a grey area, then of course it's open like anything in life. The lack of clarity creates conflict Mm -hmm. every time. So biggest piece of advice, clarity, 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 (laughs) clarity. because you can't ever have conflict if you're like, okay, I'm in charge of X, Y, and Z, you're in charge of A, B, and C, Excellent. And then we'll come together to update each other on progress mm-hmm. and make the final, you know, sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. But that was absolutely the key. I
1: And it, there, there's... Um, has there come to a point where after office hours you're still talking about business or...
0: My goodness, it was insane. I mean, I think our husbands deserve, like, major awards because it was 24-7. It still is. I mean, yeah, we're... Yeah very much joined at the hip. But um, no, you know, Christmas Day, yes. Eid holidays, you know, but all the, the time. Be,
1: be stressful to your family back then, or even until now that, you know, you're talking about business, where you can just, can we just not talk about business today? Or
0: It was, you know, but actually, I see it more on reflection. Now yeah. that we don't work together anymore, yeah. although we're still best friends and sisters and yes, see each yes. other a lot. you can I can really recognize how much we were on 24/ 7 because we're also so close that we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. So the weekends and the evenings when we did finally get any because yeah. <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you don't get much time off. Um, yeah. it was a pretty relentless conversation. But I would also say I think that's what made us great, mm-hmm. that we were very aware of what was happening across our business all the time because we were always talking. you know we were always connected up to date involved, there was no sort of absence, which saying. also was an advantage.
1: Yeah. And and I'm also curious about, uh, you grew your uh, Debo & Co to 100 employees, uh, yeah. as you mentioned, and it's also mentioned as one of the great um, agencies to work for. Um, and there's one interview that you you made, I think it was sometime last year. I forget the name of the show business is personal I think mm. um, where you mentioned that it's important that it is important to have a positive exit or experience yes what does it mean i mean can you just uh, tell us about that
0: i think that's one of the things we're most proud of um, was our culture and our amazing team you know the one thing you know is no employee is forever yeah. people will come and people will go but they may come back. Yeah. <laughs> and that was something we really, you know, for us, doing the right thing was always a priority. Mm-hmm. And treating people as you would like to be treated yep. was a huge priority. And what so many businesses forget mm-hmm. is that when someone's leaving the company, first of all, you need to know why. Mm -hmm. because there is always going to be room for improvement. And in an ideal world, you would have fixed whatever it is before they leave. But sometimes it's other circumstances or we weren't in a position to, you know, give them that particular role or give them that growth that they were looking for. But the reality is your employees are your most important advocates. Mm -hmm. And ultimately getting the right talent to come and work in your business doesn't just come from posting a recruitment ad. You know, your company is a brand as much as the brands you represent. And for us, the kind of brand we wanted Darbo and Co. to be was a great place to work because we to be the best. We knew we needed the best talent. And therefore, having great people out in the market who'd had the experience of working with us, but also were really supported on their way out of the business, onto their next career move, knowing that they would spread the word about what a great place it was to work, but also there was always a chance they would come back. And for us, the door was always open. And we did have people who, come back. Yeah, either one left and within 48 hours had returned. In fact, that was the (laughs) fastest return. (laughs) She was like, I made a terrible mistake. We were like, it's okay, we get it, come back. Uh Um, But then sometimes it was, you know, two years later coming back, having gone to get other experience. Uh and bring that experience back. But,
1: but isn't it um, the level of trust may come down a little bit when someone left and then someone just decided to come back and...
0: Look, that was only once. And I know that that particular individual was really conflicted about leaving. And you know, when you're young, and it was that their, their first job had been with us. Yeah you have to respect that they're gonna be curious. And if they're not curious, do you really want them to work for you? No. You have to spread your wings, you have to go and see you know, what other businesses are doing. And yes, they realized very quickly it wasn't the right business and they were a particular talent that we were very happy yeah. to have back. Um, but we have what we call, and it's kind of tonight actually, we're doing a reunion. Mm-hmm. It's the DABO alumni, and it's this network of all the people that have ever worked in our business are all very much connected. There is a real community, you know, where they still look out for each other. We all still keep in touch. Everyone's moved on to do wonderful things, you know, in other agencies, in other businesses. In fact, so many of them set up their own businesses, you know, and that's a wonderful community that, we all know that human engagement and supporting one another is such an important part of personal growth and professional development. So,
1: so uh, Dabo & Co alumni is still existing now where you just, I mean, tonight. Uh, yeah. Message.
0: I mean, it's not, you know, we don't have sort of a, f- it's not formal, but it's kind yes. of the hashtag Dabo yeah. gang yeah, yeah, yeah. where um,
1: you share industries and what's happening and just
0: stay connected because we're all in the same industry. So there's yeah. always, you know, something that you can help one another. But most importantly, we all really liked each other. Mm-hmm. One of the really important things about having a great place to work is to have shared interests, mm-hmm. respect for one another, mm-hmm. and professional courtesy. So, yeah, it's it's really wonderful to see that that community continues mm-hmm. long after the business.
1: I miss it. And... Uh I know there is a saying that growth um, should have systems in place. I mean, growth doesn't happen by chance. Yeah. So w- what are the systems that you put in place that, you know, um, make sure that a company will grow? I know that right now you're doing your independent consultancy work. Um, but of course, sooner or later when you found another passion to <laughs> dig in, in, you know, well, what are things that you think a company will succeed from onboarding process from, you know, employee, I mean, from, you know, hiring and...
0: We were very, from day one, very systems-oriented. I am a fanatical process person. I just don't think anything can set you in better stead than being prepared and being process-focused. Because if you don't have process in place, change is really hard for people. We know naturally it's the one inevitability, and yet everyone finds it really hard to adapt. (laughs) So if you have process from the get-go, there will be a natural ability to scale because there is a way for for us, an agency, work to come into the business, work to be managed effectively, and then for that project to be completed. And no one's wandering around guessing because that's when things will go catastrophically wrong. You know, you have a real responsibility when you take you know business from someone you accept that business and you have contracted you've been contracted to take that work from day one we had a very clear the brief comes in these are the steps you take this is the documentation that you have to follow so it's really important to set that standard from the beginning because Mm -hmm. you will always think there's a time you can start it when we're five people when we're ten people well When you're 10 people, are you going to have time to go back and start it all over again? No, you're running by then. And the one thing about growing a business quickly is there is no time. So if you're not ready at the beginning, you're going to feel like you're playing catch up the whole way along, and then you'll never really be ahead of the game. Um, For example, your finances. You know, we were audited from day one, even Mm. though we were two people, two little sisters in this tiny office because. And it wasn't obviously obligatory, we didn't have VAT or anything to worry about uh, back in 2004, but for us it was like, if we're going to do this, you do it properly. You know, we'd do it professionally, we'd come from professional agencies that we wanted to mirror that professionalism. Thank goodness we did. Because again, when would we have found the time, five years into the business, to go, now's a great time to do audit it's a system it's like habits and rituals if you start them from the beginning it becomes very natural so anyone who came into the business knew there's always a really thorough onboarding there is a clear process to how everything works and everything is there for a reason
1: so everything was structured from the beginning yeah
0: and i think that really was part of the reason we were able to grow at pace because it allowed us to know that everyone you know, knew what was coming and knew what was around the corner. Uh,
1: I'm just really curious because I know that, especially nowadays, uh, like may- maybe Gary Vaynerchuk always po- speaks about entrepreneurship, especially in the culture in the U.S. where you just need to go, go, go and like, you know, just take this a little bit. And But I'm just really interested to hear that from the beginning, your business is structured. And even when I was doing my talk recently, one of the failures that I consider is that I should have hired an accountant since day one, <laughs> because otherwise, you know, think, thinking way back now, you know. But that's another story.
0: <laughs> no, but you know, that's how do you know what you don't know? You know, yeah. that's the difficulty. It's it's so hard, I think, for so many people setting up businesses because they then discover what they needed after the fact, yeah. and if you'd known you know, they always say hindsight is a wonderful thing. If you knew now, you know, knew then what you know now, Mm -hmm. you would do everything so differently. And uh,
1: now that uh, the business has been sold 2015, you're doing your, your independent consultancy work. What is next for you?
0: It's a great question. I think I'm still searching. I'm loving the freedom to be able to have a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. and be involved in a lot of different things that i'm really passionate about um one of the things that i'm really enjoying particularly is using the knowledge and experience you know having time out and i really needed it i had a full year after i exited the business um two years ago and that was such a good plan although it sounds like it was all really fun actually the reason it was such a good plan is because it's made me realise how important working is to me and I had worked at such a pace for so many years you know had three children through the process had worked seven day weeks gazillion hours a day yeah and then I was finally able to go paddleboarding around the Vir Arab, woo, all the things I'd wanted to do for so long and wear, yeah. you know, active wear all day yeah. and not be active and spend time with my kids, yes. travel. And I actually then I was just like, "I'm really bored." <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Um, and actually, what's interesting is when someone tells you... And not that anyone's telling me, but when you realize you can do anything now, you know, like pick, it is really overwhelming.
1: Because you have all these choices now, and when you sold the business, you probably have a big chunk of it, so... What to do with all of this? What,
0: yeah, and I have to say, trying to figure out, you know, because yes, we sold the business, we were financially rewarded, yeah. but also life is long. You know, yeah. I'm 42. <laughs> I could that live. Yes, yeah, sorry, it's <laughs> out there. Shame. But I could live till I'm like 90. Yeah. I mean, that's an expensive existence. Yeah. So, you know, apart from the fact I was totally bored, you know, there is, it's not free life. Yeah. So, um, It's a really interesting journey. And what I'm enjoying is being in that journey and being exposed to so many different businesses and doing so many different types of work Mm -hmm. as a consultant and not having the responsibility of an entire business resting on your shoulders because it's a heavy, heavy weight. And I think it's a heaviness that you are never ready for. I was very willing to take it on. I take responsibility very seriously. But um, not having that weight is kind of liberating for a time. Yeah. So while I go through this journey of figuring out you know, what is next, I don't think for now I need to be that committed. Mm-hmm. I'm really privileged to have a lot of interesting work mm-hmm. happening at the moment, yeah. and I love the fact that I'm still in the comms world and, yeah. you know, communications... So you still, so
1: still work with brands and previous ones?
0: yeah, absolutely. And and doing different kind of work. Um, like
1: what kind of work?
0: Well, because now I'm acting in more an advisory capacity. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to use all that experience and insight and knowledge to really benefit from a different point of view. Um, I'm really passionate about purpose. mm mm-hmm. um, in businesses generally, but also in brands. Yeah, Um, I think
1: that's also one of your talk yesterday or the other day. Yes,
0: at Remap, you know, because it's for us as a business, the reason we were in Great Places to Work Index in the top 10 SMEs three years in a row is because we had such clear purpose and such defined values that anyone who was working with us knew why they came to work every day and knew that all we were about was great work creative, quality work, and doing it together. Mm -hmm. You know, and that galvanizing clarity that just helped push this group of people to do extraordinary amounts of work. You know, we worked really long hours, (laughs) and we did some really complex stuff, but there was a real momentum and a sense of motivation, and that's what everybody wants. You know, focused in the right direction, the power that comes with that. As a collective, is extraordinary, and you have the same with a brand as you do with business in any capacity. Yeah.
1: So, would you recommend that all businesses have be be clear on their purpose from day one, or is is there um, an instance that's like, "Hey, Lucy, or we know that you've been successful in running culture. Why don't you just sit with us and work on our culture?" Is there an instance or any independent work?
0: Yeah, I've done that actually for a couple of businesses, which again I love because culture was something we were so successful at. And what's interesting is that we didn't really know that at (laughs) the beginning. We didn't know that that was really a strength. We didn't recognize it, I suppose, until later on in the business. And what's interesting about that for us is because Camilla and I were sisters, we had a set of values mm-hmm. from day one. Yeah. But we didn't define them or articulate them because yeah. for us it was... Like,
1: let's write it down. Yeah,
0: and because we knew. But then, of course, the more people that joined the business over time we would be like, how did they do that? How did they not know that we don't, that is not a value? And then of course you're like, oh, you've gotta like be really, really specific and articulate what those values are. So we went through that process ourselves. And once we had articulated, you know, in those days it was mission, vision, please. Yes. Now it's more around purpose and your, Understood. your but why. But
1: some companies just use it like... Um,
0: Tokenistically, yeah, yes. Generally. And put it on a wall and yeah. hope for the best. <laughs> totally ineffective. Anyone out there who has done that, like, take the sticker down, start again. Seriously. Because there is no impact. It has to be driven from the top. Yeah. completely believed in, and it has to be more than about making money. A, pur- a true purpose is not never, uh, financial success. Financial success should be a given, <coughs> otherwise you're not running a, you know, a business. If you're not financially stable, that's uh, you know, fundamental, yeah. and you should have a good product and service. Your purpose should be about why you're there f- in, over and above the money. Yes, yes. What is your contribution to the world? What is your reason for everyone to arrive in the office every day? Yes. What do you stand for?
1: Interestingly, one of the person I interviewed, I don't know if you met him, Darius Sudi? No. Um, so he mentioned to me once that, you know what, it's really hard to imagine one million dollars in the bank if you don't have petrol to put into a car.
0: Yes, it's true, right? That's such a great example, because how can you? No. Not enough businesses stand behind it 100%. I think that it is still, we still live in a world where a lot of places have the stickers on the wall, and yet the CEO of the business contradicts the sticker day to day. And actually a true purpose-led business doesn't do that.
1: And um, just I'm really curious, what does Lucy look like when you're not in public, you know, handing clients, they have a hobby? and.
0: Oh my goodness, Um, I'm a mum of three, so that keeps me pretty busy. And my eldest has just turned 13, so I'm coping (laughs) with teenagedom, which I have to tell you is terrifying, by the way. Um, I love, I'm new to sport actually. One of the great things about exiting the business has given me time, and I never ever have done exercise. Like it's the one thing I never did. And actually what I've really come to love in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. is going to the gym, I've taken up tennis again, which was something I did as a kid, but have really enjoyed and I'm learning with my son. So my 13 year old and I, he's better than me, (laughs) (laughs) which is slightly humbling I have to say, but it's um, something I really, really enjoy. And I'm very social, you know, my friends are my family as well. And we've been here a long time and have an extraordinary group. Of friends who have been with us all the way through so... Because you've
1: been brought up here and then... Yeah
0: yeah, I've been really lucky, really lucky to have great friends and family here so life has been kind. That's for sure.
1: Thank you for sharing that. And um, you also mentioned, I, I recently noticed in your LinkedIn profile, you're an ICF, or what is it called? N A A O E C.
0: A-O-E-C, Associate, yeah. Association of Executive Coaching. Yeah, can okay.
1: you <laughs> tell us a little bit more about that, just a background? Yeah,
0: so I did my executive coaching diploma. Actually, I was, I completed it in February. Hmm. Um, interestingly, during our tenure running the business, We brought on board an executive coach Mm. for myself, um, RMD, and Camilla, Camilla, for the three of us, Um, for several reasons. We wanted to do some really serious strategy work around five years ahead, and we were coming up to our 10-year window, which is actually when we decided to go to market to look um, at investment. Um, And we met an executive coach, Mick Todd, who uh, some of your listeners may know. He's a phenomenal character, full of energy. And what I realized through what can only be described as a transformational experience for me, was I had never been challenged or had the level of perspective to really be able to see myself and have a real period of self-awareness. Like and challenging self-development. you
1: outside of your lens. and outside Yes, lens.
0: because if you think about it, my sister, I set up my business with my sister. I mean great boss to have but (laughs) she's not really best prepared to appraise me as me to her. I was 26 when we launched the business so you know I'd only been working a few years. I mean five years at least but not in very senior roles so again not much feedback. So to have gone for so many years without actually having that opportunity for someone to kind of open up my levels of awareness about my management style about perceptions of what leadership looked like. It was truly extraordinary, and I just got so much value from it, and it literally changed the way I was as a leader, how I approached my work, to the benefit. I mean, some of my colleagues who were working with me at the the time would definitely testify Mm -hmm. to the fact that I was an improved version, (laughs) (laughs) post-executive coaching, and, I had a renewed energy and vigor that would not have happened without it. Mm-hmm.
1: So you decided to be one and...
0: Yes, and, you know, I did the diploma out of curiosity. You know, I am curious by nature anyway. Yeah. Um, and because that experience had been so phenomenal, I really want to use my time as much as I can to be helpful. I really yeah. enjoy being helpful. I think yeah. an agency person. Yeah. By nature we are always trying to help our clients and problem solve and that's what I'm really good at. So I wanted to do the executive coaching diploma to try and then work with other businesses and mm-hmm. SMEs or entrepreneurs to be able to have that extra kind of qualification yeah. because I do business advisory work with entrepreneurs or you know SMEs and actually that coaching sort of skill is a huge advantage to be able to really work with leaders in different capacities. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the self discovery of doing it myself.
1: Yeah. Understood. And I said, and sorry, I lost my train of thought. I don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> but but um, I'm just really, really curious uh, what is your worst failure? Um, no, let me ask this. I remember, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, does it come to a point when you sold your business that you somehow lost your identity? because I know some business owners when they sold their business like what happens to me now like what should I do next and
0: yeah I have to be honest you've hit the nail on the head as we like to say I mean I, but I don't think I realized it it's really interesting you know on reflection because it's a very small town very small region you know huge in size but yeah. small from an industry point yes. of view and starting the business so young and doing it for so long and committing everything to it. I mean, I couldn't have put more into that business if I tried, there was literally nothing left. Um, When you come out of it, which of course is the dream, you know, time, you know, no stress, suddenly you realize so much of my life, most of my life was the business actually. And my identity was absolutely wrapped up in this crazy world I was living. And it's been a journey for sure to try and figure out, you know, what I have to offer the world now as Lucy Darbo, not co-founder of Darbo & Co. Um, Although, of course, that's part of my history and it will always be part of who I am. And it will always be one of my proudest achievements, you know, that alongside my three beautiful babies. (laughs) Um, You know, Darbo & Co. was my other baby, my fourth baby. And it's, I don't think it's talked about enough, actually. So it's a great question because, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've got the perfect words. I feel slightly lost for words because it really is such a confusing experience and quite unnerving because you kind of figure that you've got everything worked out and you're a grown adult and you've achieved all of these things and yeah. surely you've got it. Yeah. And then you suddenly look around and go, oh, I don't know. What am I doing now? Who am I? Um, I definitely struggled more the first six months you know I think I underestimated how much it affected me not having the business anymore really because you kind of are going come on pull yourself together (laughs) you know
1: and if you need something, then you just call your assistant or something.
0: Well, yeah, but not even that. Just the the purpose of having, you know, you carry this responsibility and you live with this. Like level. The weight has been
1: lifted.
0: And the momentum, you know, you're you're working at pace all the time. Your dem your the demand on you is so great that that becomes a really natural rhythm. Yeah. And then suddenly not to have that is wonderful in one breath. But then you're like. What now? And actually that's the thing I miss the most is being, you know, with that group of brilliant people solving complex problems every day as a, as a community and a group. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's not always easy, but most of the time having a really, really great time doing it. That was a real highlight and I miss that for right. sure.
1: <laughs> and, and also, um, what, what is your worst failure up, up to date or maybe recently?
0: where to start i mean i think that's one of life's great misconceptions that people think you know successful businesses are run by people who don't make mistakes (laughs) you know i actually am very much of the belief that you can't grow without making mistakes and actually you know those mistakes will vary from massive massive cock-ups, if yeah. I'm allowed to say that yeah. sorry if I'm not, through to just small things that you're like, my goodness I just didn't handle that conversation right, yeah. or I wasn't quick enough to answer that email, yeah. or you know, I completely mistyped that budget number and yeah. that's going to cost us some significant yeah. money yeah. Yeah. but that's what makes you great you know, if we weren't making mistakes we would never have learned. Yeah, so and so. actually I think the key is not making mistakes that are connected to risk, mm. so I would never risk anything. But, you know, you if you're going to hire lots of people and you're going to run a business, mistakes are going to happen. And the best thing you can do is create an environment yeah. where making mistakes is avoided, yeah. but is okay. You know, Accenture just did an amazing piece of research and they identified that innovation is obviously the key for the future. Everyone is under so much pressure to innovate day to day. But it is absolutely impossible to do it because it's about making mistakes. Innovation only comes from throwing out the worst ideas in the world (laughs) and then failing to finding that greatness. But if you don't have an environment that is happy and safe and facilitates mistakes, not mistakes, as I say, that are going to
1: cost uh, the business money.
0: yeah, not nothing that would jeopardize the business, but safe mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to have an environment of I, safety for that.
1: I think the safe word is um, in, in Google they have like eighty twenty where twenty percent you have the flexibility to experiment. Yeah, uh, you know. Honestly, um, and also just my la- before my last and final question. Where can people find you? How can they you know connect with you as well?
0: Um, LinkedIn is the best place. Mm-hmm. Lucy Darbo D apostrophe A B O. Everyone mm-hmm. always forgets the apostrophe. Yeah. Um, and I'm on Instagram Lucy Lou Dubai.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't that's my nickname is Lulu, mm-hmm. which ca- caused me some troubles when my brother-in-law wanted to call me Lou Roll. Mm. associating me with the toilet it was very (laughs) very kind of him (laughs) not i love him dearly though yeah
1: um so before my last and final question i just want to acknowledge you for sharing your time with us Uh, i know you're you're a very busy person and just really sharing those golden nuggets coming from you know um, someone who's successfully sold her business and of course now i mean knowing you as a person individually who is not already tied on to the old business, which is Daba & Co., and really just knowing you and I know this is a cool conversation, probably full of lessons. I'm not probably, it's full of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my things I say probably all the time.
0: That's okay. <laughs> um, I know I was trying to think what's like the really helpful um, top three tips to give businesses, and for you because you have your own business as well, right? Yes. I mean... The number one thing, I think, is you've got to be agile. If you're not agile, you die. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that we adopted very early on. Like Mm -hmm. rethink, 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 innovate, because otherwise, as we were saying, talking about publishing and all these other industries, that if you don't innovate, it's really tricky. And be human, be good human and be creative. And then you'll do brilliantly.
1: Perfect. Uh, So um, my last and final question if everything is stripped away from you, like I know you sold your business, but your wealth, your status, your network, and you need to build it up all again, what would be your main drive to
0: succeed? That's a big question, isn't it? You know, the one thing I've realized is the human, as humans, we are capable of the most extraordinary things. And, I, that doesn't worry me. I know that against everything, you will, with the right drive and focus, you can honestly get through anything. There were times in the last... 15, 20 years when I hadn't slept for three days when the levels of pressure you know there was a great story in George Bush came to Dubai Mm -hmm. many years ago I think it was like 2008 maybe Um, we were doing a huge event for Nokia Nokia were the largest provider at the time flying in all their leaders from all over the world there were private jets coming in we had about 350 people we were doing some really difficult tech stuff for the actual conference we had a lot of media commitments to it and nobody knew george bush was coming you Mm. know and back in the day you didn't get told these things as now they're kept under very you know close guard four days before the event the announcements george bush is coming to town we're like okay that's great but you know we're focusing on this very important project Um, three days before he arrived, they said, oh, we're going to close the schools. It was announced on the radio. And we were like, okay, that's fine. That doesn't impact us. Then they said, we're going to close the roads. So we're like, okay, we're still okay. That's fine. Then they said that we're going to close basically all of the roads and no one should go to work. (laughs) So we had about 12 hours to mobilize every single person that was going to work on this project with us to drop everything, to pack up their vans, pack everything, come to us in the hotel, move in to the ballroom where we were all going to sleep for three days because the roads were completely closed. Um, And then, as if it hadn't got bad enough, we had one of the most torrential storms. The roads were flooded, all the planes were being delayed. You could not do anything. So the venue where we were meant to be having the dinner had to be changed. I mean, the things just were adding on, and you think, there's always a solution. You know, we've figured a way through it, we work together, nothing is impossible. So if you're determined, and you know where you need to get to, quite literally, the human is capable of surviving anything, in my opinion. And every problem has a solution, and if it doesn't have a solution, it's not a problem, in my view.
1: (laughs) All right, so I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening for your time and see you in the next episode.
0: Thank you so much. It's been great. Awesome.
1: So if you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share this with your friends, family, peers, and network. Email blast this to anyone you know because this episode is very warm to the heart. I know it's a festive season today, so whichever part of the world you're tuning in, I really appreciate you and I want to greet you advance, Merry Christmas. Thanks again for joining us at the Drive to Succeed podcast. If you're enjoying learning from this podcast, you can show your support by sharing and rating this on iTunes or Stitcher and sharing it with your friends on social media and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. See you in the next
0: episode.